I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to a new edition of Q&A, our regular podcast offering from the Hindustan Times. I'm Prashant Jha, the editor, Views of the Newspaper. India has been under a lockdown since March 25th. We are currently in the third phase of the lockdown. This one, of course, is accompanied with a substantial set of relaxations in varying degrees across India's red, orange and green zones. India also just crossed 50,000 cases of the coronavirus disease. What has this period told us about the capacity of the Indian state? This is the one big question I want to take up in this edition of Q&A. To begin with, what are the strengths of the Indian state that this crisis has reflected? One, it is not easy to lock down a country of India's size India's complexity, India's population, India's diversity. Yet, the fact that the Indian state was able to do so and has been able to do so for quite a long period is unprecedented. This speaks of a high degree of ability and efficiency of the coercive arms of the Indian state. Here, I primarily refer to the security establishment and the security personnel, in particular, the police. Yes, to be sure, the police often acted with excessive force. There has been an attitude of overzealousness that has also been seen. But the big takeaway is that when the central government and the state governments together decide to do something and to crack down on personal liberties, this time for the noble objective of preserving public health, they can do so. The coercive arms of the Indian state can enable them to do so. Second, I think the lockdown could not have worked just on the basis of coercion. It required the voluntary cooperation of citizens. Citizens, of course, cooperated because they were apprehensive and scared of the spread of the corona disease. They were responsible. But how did that come about? In this, I would then highlight the second strength of the Indian state, which is its ability to communicate. Credit here is primarily due to Prime Minister Modi. He is a communicator by excellence. We know during elections, it is his speeches that that have been able to change the course of elections. Prime Minister Modi has spoken to the nation multiple times, four times in direct speeches to the nation, a couple of times through his radio address, Man Ki Baat. He has not underplayed the scale of the crisis. He has placed the onus on citizens to deliver, to cooperate. 
He has pointed out that India with limited resources is having to wage this battle that even developed countries with much greater resources have failed to combat. This has instilled a sense of responsibility among citizens. It has emphasized the importance of social distancing. So if the first strength was coercion, I think the second strength of the Indian state is its able is its ability to communicate its message down to the ground. The third strength of the state is federalism. It is inconceivable that if India was a centralized unitary polity, it would have been able to deal with a pandemic such as coronavirus. It is because there is a central government, but there are state governments which are locally rooted in their specific geographies. There are panchayats that India has been able to combat this disease on the ground level. These state governments, these panchayats, no local reality is better. You need the center to frame policies. You need the states in the forefront of implementing their own policies as well as central guidelines. Therefore, I think this episode has shown the strength of coercion, the strength of communication and the strength of power sharing and federalism that exists within the Indian state. What are the weaknesses it has reflected? To begin with, I think that it has shown the lack of ability to implement nuanced policy. So the coercive arms that I was talking about are comfortable with a sledgehammer approach. You want to enforce a blanket ban? Ask the police to do so. But when there are nuances, you want to prohibit a set of activities, but you want to permit another set of activities, the police struggles. This is why the Ministry of Home Affairs has had to write repeated notes to state governments to allow trucks between borders. This is why the police, as I earlier mentioned, has gone overboard in cracking down on, say, migrant workers. This ability or inability to implement nuanced policy is a clear weakness of the Indian state. The second is how it's treated its poor citizens. This episode will rank as one of the dark chapters of the Indian state's treatment of migrants in particular. Millions of migrant workers were desperate to go back home since the first lockdown was announced. The government's dilemma was understandable. If they went back home, there could be the possibility of them taking the coronavirus disease back to rural areas. But this was not accompanied with adequate relief measures for them and adequate communication with them, adequate support to them to keep them where they were. Eventually, the government had to give in and allow transport by bus. But then, once states demanded transport by trains and the government realized the enormous logistical challenge of transporting them by bus, they allowed special trains. Then there was a controversy about whether they would pay, whether the government would pay, and then the opposition stepped in. The government should have paid, the central government in this case. But all of it put together points to abysmal treatment of migrant workers who are the engine of India's economic growth. This is a clear weakness of the Indian state. The third weakness is in its economic management. It is clear that the lockdown is having a severely adverse impact on the Indian economy. Supply chains are disrupted, demand has plummeted down, factories are closed, unemployment has risen, micro, small, medium enterprises are facing a crisis. 
businesses will struggle to stay afloat. Incomes are dipping, which in turn will lead to an even greater dip in demand. To combat this, the government had to come up with a fiscal stimulus package. It is said that they are working on it, but the fact that the government has still not come up with a generous, comprehensive, substantial fiscal stimulus package, which could take care of businesses, which could ensure that incomes don't dip, which could ensure that unemployment doesn't as sharply drop as people fear, which could ensure that growth doesn't contract and India doesn't go into recession, has been missing so far. This is a clear weakness. So if coercion, communication, federalism rank as India's strengths, its economic management, its treatment of the poor, and its ability to implement nuanced policy, calibrated policy, rank as its weaknesses. That brings us to the end of this edition of Q&A. If there are issues that interest you, if there are questions you want us to answer, please do write to us at podcasts at hindustantimes.com. Please do follow us on all our social media handles, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at HTSmartcasts. Stay safe, stay home. We'll talk to you again soon. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.